If you don't know me, my name is uh, Pastor Daniel. I have the privilege to be part of the staff here. Get to lead the nursery and the preschool area alongside my wife and a just great team. Uh, but it's just so good to be here with you guys. It's always an honor. Uh, it's always a privilege to be able to share uh, the word with you. But tonight I want to be sharing on the, and, and touching on the subject of the call of God, specifically fulfilling the call of God on your life. Uh, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 the Bible says, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. Now, this is, this is the Apostle Paul talking here. And, and he's saying, not that I have already made it, not that I have already become mature or perfected, but I press on and I'm getting to something that God has given me. And I believe specifically what Paul is talking about here is the calling of God on his life. Now, let's just, let's just pause a second here because we are talking about the Apostle Paul, uh, the man that the Holy Spirit used to pen about two-thirds of the New Testament. Uh, this is the Apostle Paul that uh, by this time, uh, he's, he's traveled all over that part of the world. He's preached and he's taught the Word of God. Uh, he's been persecuted. Uh, he's been stoned, left for dead. He gets up, travels some more, preaches some more, teaches some more, and then he gets imprisoned with Silas, and then God miraculously sets him free, and the jailers get, the jailers get saved, and then he travels some more, and he preaches some more. He suffers, he suffers shipwreck, which, by the way, he warned the captains not to go this way because that they were going to suffer shipwreck, and he still suffers shipwreck. I don't know about you, but it would be one thing if I wreck. It's another thing if I knew we were going to wreck, and we still go and wreck. And yet, he still gets up, and he's still preaching, and by this time, when he's writing this part, he's in prison. Now, a man that has preached all over Asia, he's established churches, almost loses his life multiple different times, is saying that he has not made it yet. I mean, if I did half the things, a fraction of the things that Paul did, I would be tempted to say that I made it. I mean, uh, let, let's, let's think about this a second. Let's say we're, you and I, we're, we're preaching the gospel and we're, we're out there at Myers and some people get saved and then we get in trouble, we get locked up. I think we'd go home and say, hey, I think we made it. You know, I think, I think uh, we've been persecuted enough. Like we were, we were doing something right here and we got in trouble for doing something right. I think, I think we made it. But yet Paul's saying, I have not attained it yet. And uh, speaking of the calling of God on our life, you know, many times if we've been around church for a little bit, uh, we tend to think about the calling of God, okay, the purpose of God in my life. You get a picture of somebody maybe up here on the platform. You get a picture of a congregation. You get a picture of a, of a pastor. Like, man, that guy's called. Or maybe a missionary. Uh, somebody's in a third world country in a village, and they're doing something that's significant for God. Now, these two things are, are good examples of, of the call of God, but the call of God is much broader than that. Uh, the, these, the call of God is not limited to these things. And I just kind of want to define, as we talk about fulfilling God's call for your life, I want to define that for you tonight before we get into that. And here's what you got to know about the call of God in your life is, number one, that it is your personal relationship with Jesus, First uh, Corinthians one nine says this: God is faithful, by whom you were called into the fellowship of His Son Jesus Christ, our Lord. The Bible says that you were called into His fellowship. 
Now, this is through a relationship with Jesus Christ. The Bible says that if you believe in Jesus, that you are given the right to become a son of God. Now, now that is relationship. Uh, relationship is based on a right. And not everybody has a relationship with God. Everybody has access to the grace of God, but it's by you believing in Jesus Christ that he gives you the right to become a son, to become a daughter. Now, you might have that right, but you still are called, you are still invited into the fellowship of Jesus Christ. Now, what is a fellowship? Fellowship is the relationship in action with Jesus Christ. Uh, these things uh, would include prayer. Uh, prayer, you know, many times we say prayer is talking with God. And I believe that's true, but I believe that it's more than that. I believe that prayer is communication with God. Because when you pray with God, we have the access, the ability, the privilege to speak with him. But we also are designed to be able to hear from him as well. And this is, this is what we do as we fellowship. We are, we are in communication with God. And many times this will be a continual conversation with him. You are called to do that. You are anointed to do that. God is inviting you to do that. Uh, we do this through Bible reading. You know, when we read the Word of God, we do this through worshiping. We just got done worshiping. We got an amazing worship team here, right? We, 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 they lead us into the presence of God, and as we worship, man, we are in touch with Jesus. We, the Holy Spirit is in this place. We get to worship and fellowship. We do this through fasting. And, and what we have to have is a mind shift because many times we hear these things like prayer, uh, Bible reading, fasting, and we think of tasks. We think of uh, you know, if we don't do these things, that God's not going to be really cool with me this week, you know. Or you might have done these things and then you deserve, you feel like you deserve like a little bit of extra than the person who maybe didn't fast and pray like you did this week. But in reality, these things don't make you right with God. You are made right through your relationship by you believing. These things are fellowshipping with God. These things, uh, they, they reveal who God is to us. Through these things. And through these things, God reveals who we are uh, as we pray and as we fast. So these aren't just good things that good Christians should do. These are effective things that allow us to know who our Heavenly Father is. So fellowshipping is a part of the God-given call in your life. Uh, here's a little bit of the context of what we just read with Paul. Philippians 3.10, a, a little bit before 3.12, he says this. He says, that I may know him. And the power, this is Paul, of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings, being conformed to his death. Paul, again, the man who was knocked off by off his horse by Jesus, the man who received revelation, like he bypassed the disciples. Everybody in that place, they knew Jesus because of the people that were around Jesus, i.e. the disciples. Paul bypassed the disciples and he got straight revelation from Jesus. We're talking about this man. He's saying, I need to know him. I want to know him. Like there's this hunger. There's this desire. And so the call of God is your fellowship. It's your relationship with God. Number two, it is a series of ministry assignments. Uh, when we speak of the call of God, it isn't just one event that takes place once or twice in your life. Uh, again, Paul's saying he hasn't arrived. Uh, he hasn't completely fulfilled the call of God. And yet he's done so many things in ministry prior to the time of this letter. So fulfilling the call of God in your life includes different stages and different seasons of ministry that together work out the kingdom of God through you. It's not just realizing 
that God has called you to be a pastor. So the very next thing that you have to do is go plant a church. Now, that might be the case. But for most of us, that's just not the case. Uh, God may call you to serve where you are attending at right now. Uh, he may call you to be submissive and to be faithful, and God will use where you are as an assignment to grow you and to lead you into different assignments that will together produce the call of God in your life. Uh, when I think about this, I think about David. You know, uh, the Bible says that David was anointed king over Israel. There was this amazing ceremony. There was an anointing ceremony that took place, and right after that happened, David did not go through to the throne. David went back to the sheep right after that took place. And after that, he went to the king's room uh, to help him be delivered from an evil spirit. I'll just think about that for a second. Uh, the prophet Samuel just anointed you to be king over Israel. And you, instead of going right to the throne, you're going back to the sheep to, 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 to help your father with the sheep. And after that, you think, okay, maybe I'll go to the throne. But yet you are at the king's throne. You're playing, something, you're playing the harp. You're playing something so that this king who's messed up would be delivered. I don't know about you, but I'd be tempted to give up right there. I would say, hey, I should be sitting at that throne. I should be the one that's right there. But yet he is sitting there, and he is allowing the, the Lord to use him to deliver King Saul from what he's being tormented from, which is an evil spirit. And then after this, he has to still run from his life, uh, from the king that wants, to, uh, that wants to kill him. Here's what you need to know about this. All these different events were different assignments in the life of David. There were different assignments where David had to choose to be faithful. He had to be uh, patient and, and trust God in his timing. Knowing this, that each assignment had a part to play in his God-given call for his life. And sometimes, you know, with, with David, he knew. He, excuse me, he knew that he was going to be king, and yet he had to go through these things, and he had to trust God. And sometimes it's the opposite for us. Sometimes we don't really know. Like, I believe that this topic, uh, when you talk about the purpose in your life, or when you talk about the God uh, call in your life, it's one of the most asked questions amongst us believers, because we really want to know. We, we love Jesus and we want to know now, okay, God, what do you want me to do? And sometimes we don't have this anointing ceremony like David had. But what you can do is just hear God with what he's asking you to do right now where you are. And as you become faithful, as you submit, as you continue to do, uh, be busy and allow God to use you, then these assignments will, de will, will then lead you to another assignment. And as you do that, God will reveal the call of God in, his, in your life. So you can say it like this. The call of God in your life is to know him. That's number one, which is fellowship. And the call of God in your life is to make him known. And that is the specific calling. That is the pastor. That is the evangelist. That is as you're doing the work of the ministry in this place. It is to know him. And it is to make him known. And, and, and I'll say this. You have to be pursuing number one to be effective in number two. Like you, can't, you can't effectively make him known if you feel like you've already known God. Like that's, why, that's why Paul said, I haven't made it yet. Not that I have attained, but because I'm still, I still need to know him some more. And, and I'm still living. I'm still alive. And so I still, I still have some work to do. 
I haven't made it yet. I haven't. You will never stop knowing him, and you will never stop making him known as long as you are alive on this earth. And so as you keep reading Philippians 3.13, he says, Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing. Somebody say one thing. One thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now, I'm reading this one day, and, and, and I, just love, I just love that the Bible is so alive. You know, you, you dare to just put some si- time aside and, 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 and meet with Jesus and say, Lord, speak to me. And so I'm reading this, and I, I'm like, okay. Let me just read this again because I just read that, that Paul says one thing I do, but yet he just said three things. So either the Bible's lying or, or, or something happened here. And, and how many of you guys know that the word of God is not lying? And so I asked God, what's going on here? I mean, there's one thing, but Paul said three things. And so as I'm praying, the Holy Spirit showed me this. Uh, hey, let me see that, the basketball. He showed me just like, like shooting a basketball. He said, you know, you, you're doing one thing. You're shooting, you're shooting the, the basketball. You know, you, you're trying to make this into the hoop. But yet while you do it, you're bending your knees. You, you're holding that ball and you're jumping and releasing. And yet we call that shooting, right? You follow? But as you do that, it's one action. It is one move. It's an athletic move that you do together. But you are doing it for one specific reason. And it, we call it one thing. I'm going to shoot hoops. I'm going to go shoot the basketball. But yet, as you do it, you're doing several things. And so Paul said this. Now, now imagine if you, you're having lunch with Paul, the Apostle Paul. We just kind of talked about uh, the type of man he was. And he's saying, hey, I haven't made it yet. And you're like, excuse me, you haven't made it? Then where am I, right? <laughs> and so you're talking with him. He says, but I do one thing, actually. In, in terms of the call of God in my life, I do one thing. Wouldn't you press in at that moment? Wouldn't you say, what is that one thing you do? Paul, what are you doing now? What have you done and what are you continuing to do so that you can fulfill the God-given call in your life? And, and so let's break it down. He said, number one, I'm forgetting what's behind. I'm forgetting what's behind. Uh, we cannot grow and we cannot fulfill God's call in our life if we hold on to our past. Our past failures, our past successes, our past hurts, and our past issues, whatever it is that has happened in your past, if you want to fulfill the purpose that God has in your life, you have to learn like Paul, and you have to learn to forget what's behind. Uh, Philippians 3, verse 3, just a little before this, he says, For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his Spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. Though I myself have reason for such confidence, if someone else thinks that they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. And then Paul just gives us kind of like his trophy case here. He says, circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews. In regard to the law, I'm a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for righteousness, based on the law, faultless, blameless. But the key is in seven. Whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Paul saying, listen, to the society standards of this day, to the church's standards of this day, I'm a, I'm a pretty bad dude. That's what he's saying here. But I know 
If I'm going to fulfill the God-given call in my life, I got to forget what I did. I got to forget what I've accomplished. I got to forget my failures. By, by holding on to the past, you remain stagnant and you are unable to fully move forward. Uh, here are some things that can hold you back. Uh, unforgiveness. It's probably one of the biggest ones. And when I think about unforgiveness, uh, I think one of the biggest hindrances to us not being able to forgive is that by us forgiving, we have this thought, we have this belief that if I forgive somebody who did wrong to me, that I am giving them permission. And I am saying by me forgiving that what you did was okay. And can I just tell you tonight that that is just a flat out lie. That is absolutely not true. When you forgive somebody, you are not saying that what they did was okay. You forgive for yourself and not so much for the other person. Here's what it says in Mark eleven twenty five. Whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, that's anything against anyone, forgive him. That your Father in heaven may also forgive you, you, you your trespasses. I believe the key to, unforgi- or to forgiving others is this right here. While you stand praying, while you pray, forgive. Because while you're talking with God, God is going to give you perspective. God's going to give you his grace. You know, when we talk about forgiveness, I think that we should be talking to God more about our hurts and, our, and what happened, what other people did, than, than to other people about what happened. You know, isn't that true? Like, where we can say, God, I need to talk to you. I need to, I need to hear something from you. And as you do that, you'll be amazed. I believe that when you, when you understand that you've been forgiven, even though you didn't deserve it, that God gives you that perspective, that you would be able to do that to other people. Forgiveness may not change your past, but it can change your future. And again, forgiving others more for you than for them. Another thing that can hold us back is failure. You know, when we, when we fall, it hurts. And when we fall in front of other people, it hurts even more. Like, what do we do if we're, if we're walking, you know, we're getting a cold season, we're walking and we slip on ice. What's the first thing you do? Come on, you're in church, you can't lie. You, you look around. <laughs> and if it really hurt, like you hold it in and you're looking around, and then you kind of let, let out that, that, that scream or, or whatever kind of, whatever noise you make when you're in pain. Why? Because when you fall in front of others, it's, it not only hurts, but it's embarrassing. But really, if you would just get some perspective and you'd say, you know, when I see other people fall, it's not really, it's not, I'm not really laughing at them. I just think I'm laughing with them. I just think the whole thing is just silly. And you get some perspective. But, it, but yet, it's still complicated for us. And we need to learn how to forget our past. Here's Proverbs 24, 16. It says, for a righteous man, he will fall seven times, but he will rise again. He will rise again. And as you walk with God... You will fail. That's just the reality. I'm not prophesying doom over you. That's just the reality. That's just called life. And listen to this. If you dare to do something big for God, then you will definitely fail. You will definitely fail. But you must understand that failure is a part of the process to get you from here to there. It's not just one event. It is, it is something that God can use to get you from here to there. Romans 8.28 And we know that all things, not just the good things, not just the bad things, but all things work together for good to those who love God. How many of you guys love God? 
Yeah? So this scripture applies to you. To those who are the called according to his purpose. For whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. That he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Moreover, whom he predestined, these he also called. Whom he called, these he also justified. And whom he justified, these he also glorified. Verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him also freely give us all these things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died. And furthermore is also risen. Who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, yet, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. You know, I don't, I don't know if we really understand what more than conquerors was. So I'm going to ask Mike and, 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 and Nikki to come up forward. We're going to just demonstrate what more than a conqueror is. We hear that term and we think, man, that, is, that sounds great. That's spiritual. But do you understand that you are more than a conqueror? Let's give it up for Mike and Nikki as they come up. Thank you, guys. If you guys could just stand right here and face the crowd. Now, we're going, to say, we're going to say that Mike is a boxer, right? He's, he, he trains. This is what he does for a living. He trains. He works hard. If you know anything about boxing, it's a very disciplined sport. You know, it's, it's something that you got to prepare months in advance, sometimes a year in advance that you know you're going to have this fight. And so he, he, he is training. He is getting ready. He's waking up early in the morning. How early are you waking up, Mike, for? Four in the morning, he's running, he's eating right, he's not eating cake and, all, and ice cream and all that stuff because he's got to be in shape. And so the fight, the day of the fight comes and, and, and he's getting ready and he's exchanging, he's hitting, he's landing punches, he's getting punches, landed on him, he's getting beat up and, and he goes the 12 rounds, he goes the distance and it's decided that Mike is the winner. Yay, Mike. Yeah. He's the winner. And so what happens, you know, he gets, he, gets, he gets to be celebrated, he gets to be recognized as the champ, and there's also a prize that comes with that. And so what happens is they give him this prize, and now, now Mike is this conqueror, right? And so he's excited, but, but just like a good man and just like a good husband, Mike goes home to his wife. And what he does is he takes what he just earned, and he gives it to Nikki. And so what happens is, we got conqueror, and right here we got more than a conqueror because she didn't have to wake up at 4 in the morning. She didn't have to get beat up. She didn't have to get bloodied up, and yet she still has the prize. And how many of you guys know that Jesus went to the cross for us? Thank you guys so much. Give it up for Mike and Lou. Jesus, Jesus went to the cross for us. His, his body was beaten. His body was bruised. He took the crown of thorns over his head. He was crucified. He died. He rose again on the third day so that you and I can have life. 
so that you and I can have that prize, so that you and I can have life and life abundantly. He went to the cross and he defeated death, hell, and the grave so that you and I can be victors and so that you and I can be more than conquerors. And so don't let failure, don't let, don't let unforgiveness stop you. Don't let successes stop you from what God has in, in, in the future for you. You know, sometimes we just think about the bad things. That we just got to forget about the bad things. But, you know, Paul listed a lot of the good things that he accomplished, that he did. And he has to forget that. If you allow what you accomplished yesterday to be your greatest accomplishment, then you will never know what you can accomplish tomorrow. You will never know what you can do tomorrow if what you did yesterday is the best thing that you could ever do. The things that we should forget, here's the rule of thumb here, about our past uh, should be the things that you and I did, but not the things that God did. So many times in the Old Testament, God had to remind the children of Israel, don't you remember that I am the God that delivered you from the Egyptians? You know, when he was about to move, when he was about to do something big that required the faith of the people of Israel, he had to say, hey, don't you remember that I'm that same God that split the Red Sea? Like, yeah, that's me. I'm asking you to do this. Would you trust me? In Psalms 103, David said, bless the Lord, all my soul, and all that is within me. Bless the Lord, all my soul, and forget not his benefits. And so when you talk about forgetting your past, it doesn't mean you forget everything about your past. It just means that you forget about what you did for yourself, your failures, your hurts, your accomplishments, but may we not forget what God has done for us. May we, may we remember that God is faithful. And if he was faithful yesterday, he'll be faithful today and he'll be faithful tomorrow. And so number two, as we're talking about one thing, you're forgetting the past. And number two is you reach forward to those things ahead. See, it's not, it's not enough to just forget the past. Because if you just forget the past and you stay there, then you're just like the basketball shooter with bent legs and just sitting there. You still have to jump. You still have to release the ball. Uh, you forget the past. You're just sitting there. Paul says, I reach forward to these things. Which things? To the things that are ahead. This is a picture of someone who has purpose. This is a picture of someone who is focused. I, I think about a runner. I think about somebody who just grabbed the baton and, he, and he's running and he grabbed the baton and he can't just sit there and look at that baton for too long. Otherwise, he's going to lose the race. And so he grabs it, he acknowledges it, but he forgets it. He forgets how he got it, and now he is so focused on what's ahead of him. He is so focused on where he has to go. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Lay aside every weight uh, this, is, this is that extra weight. This is the stuff that you don't need to carry. Uh, I, I believe that these are those distractions that can become like obstacles to the call of God in your life. Uh, sometimes we get so busy doing so many things, and it could be so many good things, that we, we, we kind of forget what the God thing is that God has for our life. And, and as, as we do this, I would challenge you to ask God, to evaluate, reevaluate your life and ask God to show you maybe some different weights that you've added, maybe some different things that you've added to your schedule and to your life that you say, hey, listen, these things are, are not bad, they're not evil, they're not sin, but yet they're slowing me down. There's a, there's, a, there's a reaching forward, there is a focus that Paul's talking about here. 
And then he says to lay aside all the sin. Uh, There is no sin that is worth it enough to take place of the calling that God has for your life. There is no sin that is worth it enough to take the place of the calling that God has for your life. If you sinned in the past, then you got to bring it to God. If you haven't already brought it to God, and you just have to forget about it. Deal with it. If you're dealing with something right now, then I would encourage you to talk to somebody that you can trust about that. Uh, Another translation says to lay aside every clinging sin. You know, sin is like it'll cling on to you. Uh, Sometimes, you know, we're not even looking for something, but something will cling on to you, and it will slow you down. It will distract you, and you will not be able to reach ahead and reach forward to what God has for you. He says run with endurance. Now, you think about endurance, you think about long-term. It's like a long-term idea. Uh, You can sprint from here to there, And you can get done in a short amount of time. But when you talk about endurance, it is a long thing. And I think about the key to endurance is that it is a mindset. It is so much a mental thing. This is true when you're running. You know, I really don't like to run personally. I like to play sports, but like fast sports because then I'm doing something. But when I'm running for a long time, like I start thinking about other things and I start thinking about the other things I can do. And so like my mind is going elsewhere and it affects my body and it affects my desire to be running. But if I was very committed to running, then the key for me to run well and to run long would be to change my mind. It would be to uh, have the goal ahead of me, to know that the purpose of my training. And I think this is true uh, in, this, in this context, that we can have a spiritual endurance. Again, talking about David, I believe that he had a spiritual endurance while he was sitting there playing, worshiping God, and seeing his king be delivered from an evil spirit. I believe he had spiritual endurance that would allow him to have the proper perspective to continue to do what God called him to do, knowing that it had its purpose. And so we talk about laying aside this weight, laying aside the sin, and allowing God to give you this perspective to have focus. Third thing, he says, I press toward the goal of the upward call. I press. To press is to push, to fight. You know, you're forgetting the past. You're reaching ahead. And as you do that, you have to know that there will be opposition that will come against you. Why? Because you are called. 1 Timothy 6.12 says this, fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Because you are called, you will have opposition come. As soon as you forget the past, uh, the past you reach towards the, 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 the future ahead of you, you, you begin to press and you understand that you are more than a conqueror. And the biggest thing that I believe Paul had is that he didn't quit. He didn't quit. Things happened in his life. It didn't seem like it was fair. Things happened, and he was persecuted, but he realized that there was a heavenly call in his life, and he knew that he had work to do. And so what Paul had is that he had this perseverance. He had this tenacity, and he knew that he could not quit. And if you know you have God inside of you, then you cannot quit. There's a call of God on your life. I want to just go ahead and close tonight with this. If you're here tonight and you know that you are called by God, would you just stand up where you are right now? You know that you have a calling in your life. You know that you are called to fellowship with God. You are called to make him known and to know him. Just go ahead and stand up boldly. I pray that this stirs you up. I pray this reminds you to know that 
The same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is the same spirit that lives inside of you. And he's the same spirit that has called you. And I want us to make this bold confession tonight as you're there standing. I want us to pray and I want us to confess this by faith. Would you just pray with me? Would you close your eyes right there where you're at and just bow your head and would you, would you just say this? Heavenly Father, I thank you that I am anointed, that I am called, and I ask that you would help me to do this one thing. Forget what's behind. Reach forward and press towards the goal the calling of God in my life. I thank you that I am more than a conqueror and I will not quit in Jesus' name. Would you just continue to stand there? Father, I thank you, Lord, for your word that never returns void. I thank you, God, that if you are for us, who can be against us? I thank you for your spirit in this place. Lord, as we prepare to go back and worship, that you would continue to minister to our hearts, that you would speak to us, Lord, in the area of our calling as we pursue to know you more and as we pursue to make you known, that you would speak to us, God, and that you would give us direction in our lives, that you would show us what to do and that you would give us the courage and the boldness to do it. Now, if you're here tonight... And you might not have stood up with other people here because you're not sure if you are called. You're not sure if you have made that decision yet to receive Jesus in your life. And so I want to ask that if you're in this place, you you might be sitting down still, that if you say, Pastor, I want to receive Jesus in my heart. I want to know that I'm called. I want to give my life to him. I don't want to live for myself anymore, but I want to live for Jesus I want to do something significant like the Apostle Paul. Would you stand up right there where you are? Anybody in this place, would you just stand up to say, hey, I want to receive Jesus. God bless you, man. Is there anybody else that says, I want to receive Jesus? Go ahead and stand where you are. I just want to acknowledge you, and I want to give you this opportunity to accept the call of God on your life. Anybody else? God bless you, man. I see you back there. We're going to pray together with this gentleman who stood up. If you stood up and maybe I didn't see you, or maybe you're still standing, but you're, or you're sitting, but you're standing in your heart, and you say, man, I need Jesus. I really need God. I want to tell you that you're in the right place tonight, and you're amongst the right people who are not going to judge you, not going to judge your past, but you do have to Make a decision to receive Jesus. The Bible says that if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, you confess with your mouth, you was raised from the dead and he is Lord, that you will be saved. The Bible says if you call on the name of the Lord, you will be saved. So we're going to do that tonight. Let's all pray together. And if you stood up or you want to receive Jesus, then pray with us out loud. Say, Heavenly Father, I give you my heart. I give you my past. All the good. And all the bad, I pray that you accept me and that you wash me from all my sins. I accept you into my heart and I confess you 
as Lord and Savior. From this day forward, I will live for you. In Jesus' name, amen.